talk to you very briefly about a subject that is really on my heart. You know, most of us speak words that are condemnation to our faith walk. One of the biggest words that we speak in our culture is a word that we say every Sunday. I've got to go to church. That is a lie. Christ did not die for you to go to church. He died for you to become the church. So when it, how can you go to something that you are? And so what happened is we fix our mind that this place is holy rather than us learning to live and let God be holy in our life. Because Galatians 2.20 says no longer do I live, but it's Christ that lives in me. So the life I now live, I live by faith in him. You know, one of the things that uh, I believe that if you really stop and think about it, when is the last time you have taken a spiritual inventory of your life? Sit down and really just get honest. You see, too often we judge ourselves by ourselves. I've done that so many times. Well, I used to do this. I don't do that no more. But you don't judge yourself by what you used to do that you don't do no more. You judge yourself by looking at Jesus and see how much of you don't look like Jesus still that he wants to change so you'll look more like him each day. See, when you look at the scriptures, the idea is for you and I to die and let him increase. I'm not going to use just, just to drop a name, but there's a famous actor that's a friend of mine now, Stephen Baldwin, came to Dallas and asked me to be involved with his ministry. And so I said, Stephen, tell me about your experience with the Lord. What has God done in your life? And what is God doing in your life? And I said, where do you see God today taking you? So Stephen stands up, he takes his shirt down, and he has tattooed across his back. I must decrease and he must increase. I said, Stephen, I'm I can hang with you, brother, because you understand it. See, it's not about what I do for God. It's what I trust God to do through me that will bring glory to himself. Because if you've been declared to be dead, no longer you're living, but it's Christ that's living. And what does people want to see? More Jesus in your life. In, in John chapter 12, down about verse 20, some Greeks came into Jerusalem. And the first thing they said was, we want to see Jesus. And Jesus gave an awesome message to his disciples. They went to him and said, these men from Greece want to see you. And Jesus made a statement, unless a seed dies, it's only one seed. Now why would he put a statement like that in the middle? And when they, what was the word? We want to see Jesus. Then he goes on to say, unless the son of man, what he was trying to tell them, unless he die." It would only be him. But when he die and he goes down, when he come back up, there would be many of him. That's why he says, greater works will you do than I do. Because when he came out of the ground, if he stayed in the ground, you and I wouldn't have no hope. But because when he raised it, when he came up, the ultimate goal was he wanted to saturate the earth with little Jesus growing up in the faith so that he could make a difference and change the world. 
And then the problem is that the world is staying the same because we haven't taken our assignment serious enough to go out and be who God called us to be. I don't care who you used to be. That don't mean that it's who you are now. You see, when you understand who you are now, you can walk in the anointing. You can walk in power. And you can be the head and not the tail. The reason we have a problem we got right now in the government because we did not do what God told us to do. He didn't say go make converts. He said go make disciples. A disciple is one who learns of Christ. He follows Christ and he reproduces another life. If you took inventory in the average church today, you can't find 10 percent of the people that have ever made a disciple. You see, how will you look when you stand before God? He lets you live for 80 years and you never made one disciple. And that was a commandment. It wasn't a suggestion. It was a commandment. Go make disciples. Let me tell you a real brief story. I was a businessman excited about making a lot of money and I met a little blue-eyed white brother. I had been walking with the Lord half-stepping. So I've been praying, God, bring somebody in my life that can help me understand what it means to be a disciple. So one day I'm walking and I get in my car, turn the radio on, and here's the man saying, if you want to know how to become a disciple, call this number. <laughs> so I called the number. I went and met with the guy, and the guy I met with, I thought, man, there's no way I'm going to come back and be with this guy. He's got more pride than I have. So I was walking out the door, and here's a little guy sitting in the chair with gold rim glasses, and he looks up at me and he says, would you like to have coffee? At that time, I owned four nightclubs. I was one of my best customers. Last thing in the evening time at 3 o'clock, you won't when half an hour started as full as a cup of coffee. I don't know about you, but coffee wasn't on my agenda. And for some reason... I know now, I went and had coffee with him. He asked me a question that I couldn't answer. He says, are you investing or are you spending your life? And I thought, man, I got a mortgage company. I got an insurance business. I'm in the club business. I got real estate. What in the world are you talking about? Are you stupid? I said, are you investing or spending your life? He says, I'm investing my life. You want to hear my story? Well, I'm already a little bit hot, so I said, yeah, let me hear your story. In 1968, 69, he walked away from a million-dollar-a-year job. When I met him, he was living on $70,000 a year. I'd never seen a man so happy. He says, would you like to meet with me? So I said, yeah. He said, why don't we meet for three times? If you don't like it, we don't have to meet no more. Now, you can quit any time. I really like that deal because if I didn't like it, I didn't have to go back no more. So I go home and tell my wife that I was going to do this, and she got all excited. So she said, well, when you tell the guy you're going to meet? I said, well, I told him, Wednesday morning, 7 o'clock. Well, Tuesday was my all-night happy hour at the club. I didn't get home to 2.30 or 3. Now he lived in Plano. I lived in, right at the edge of Duncanville. So I got to get up at 5.30, leave at 6 in order to get to at 7. So that next morning I woke up, I was just out of it, had too much to drink. My wife kicks me out of bed, get your drunk butt up, go meet with that man. You ain't going to lie to that man. So I get up, 
my car drives up to Plano. I walk up to his house and there's a sign on the door that says, choose ye this day who you're going to serve. For me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. I walk in the house, house smelled holy, his wife looked holy, he looked holy, and I looked drunk. I mean, that was a heck of a combination. So we sat down at the table and he says, uh, what's Jesus doing in your life? I said, John, he's not doing a lot. I'm drunk from last night. Isn't it neat to see what Jesus can do with a drunk? Never said a harsh word to me. He never said to me, you need to quit doing this. So we got to meet we prayed. He said, if you want to come back, we'll meet next week. Thirteen years later, I was still meeting with this guy. My whole life changed because I saw him not just teach me, but I saw him model what he was teaching me. You see, one of the things about it, we have to realize when we start into discipleship with anyone, is don't make them look at you. Don't point, don't let them see you unless they see Jesus in you. What you need to do is say, I'm not the standard. I'm just going to point you to who is the standard. And you can help me as I help you to let him do in me and in you what he wants to do through you and through me so he gets glory for what's done. See, discipleship is not about what I can do for you. It's what I can do to help point you to the one who can do what needs to be done in you that help gives you the power to live the life that God wants to live through you because it's not about you. It's what God wants to do through you that brings glory to himself. That's why the word says, if I be lifted up, I'll draw men to myself. Every day we're going to lift up somebody. We're going to lift up something. Why don't we make that something be Jesus and die to ourselves so God get glory for the life that he loaned us for the time he loaned it to us. See, we walk around, when you leave here today, your attitude ought to be walking out of this building and somebody ought to look at you and say, you must have been with Jesus. Let me tell you something. People don't want to know if you went to church. They don't want to know if you go to church. They want to know what does the church look like when it comes out of the four walls. You know, let me tell you something. My wife is in heaven now, but before she died, we was over to some friends' house one night. And she's and I was sitting there. We used to all drink, party, smoke dope, do everything together. And then we weren't doing that. So his wife calls my wife and says, I just want to speak to you. So she goes back in the bedroom and she tells my wife, she says, girl, something happened to you. And I want what you got. So my wife said, well, you know, John got involved with this ministry and we've gotten, we've given our life to, to Christ and we're now doing Bible studies and, and, you know, girl, it's just been great. And she said, can you baptize me in, in my bathtub? Let, let me tell you something. You see, if you've been born again and you still look like you did before you got born again, you don't go to the kingdom. So what you have to do, and let me tell you something. One of the greatest opportunities for us to have now is to learn to love people where they are and let them see Jesus in our life. 
You know, last week I got a friend of mine that pastors a big church. And a friend of mine has called me and said, man, you got to look at this video. It was on June the 28th, Urban Bible Church. It was right after the bill was passed for the gay movement. And I was kind of a little bit upset thinking, you know, we got these idiots in Washington. I can't believe that they passed a bill like this. Well, come to find out my friend's daughter went to seminary. She comes home from seminary and she tells her parents, I'm gay. So he goes into this message. And I want you to hear this. When I got through listening to that message, I got on my knees and repented. You know why? It doesn't matter what your sin is. Sin is sin. The Bible says love the sinner and hate the sin. You see, if you start loving people who are in sin with the love of Christ, it will draw them out of sin and help change their life. But if you walk around and become a criticizer and, and, and start condemning people, guess what you do? You run people's away. Isn't it amazing that Jesus didn't come to you when you was out there in the world hanging out and run up to you and start slapping you, talking about you need to get saved? He didn't do that. I mean, he didn't do that. You didn't see Jesus running up and say, oh, yeah, you got drunk last night. Bam, bam. <laughs> and that while you was yet a sinner, he died for you. He didn't wait till you got it right. Because without him, you couldn't get it right. So now that you've invited him in your life, once you let him live through you so that the world eventually won't see you, but see him in you and be drawn not to you, but be drawn to the spirit of God that's in you. And that's what it's all about. Stop trying to be church. If you guys would take serious what I'm saying today, Tracy and I'm going to look for another building. People are looking to find Jesus. They're not looking to find church goers. They want to see Jesus. Just like the Greeks. They said, we want to see Jesus. Well, when Peter and John went through the gate called Beautiful in Jerusalem, there was a man that was lame, been sitting there for days. But he was not even at that gate. He moved to that gate because he knew there'd be a lot of people following Peter and John. And he said, man, it's going to be some good picking up here. I'm going to move and get my cup right at the gate. Little was he shocked. Peter and John walks up and says, silver and gold, we have none. But in the name of Jesus, be healed. And the Bible said the man was instantly healed. Then the Pharisees and Sadducees were standing across the streets. And they was observing what just took place. And they said to each other, those men must have been with Jesus. Because they are unlearned men. Why did they say that? Because they did what Jesus did when he was on this earth. He healed the sick. He set the captives free. He laid hands on a blind man and gave him eyes to see. Let me tell you something. The same thing that Jesus did on earth, he wants to do through you and I. I believe that we're coming into a season that God's going to take simple people and do supernatural things in and through their life that's going to bring glory to him and compound the wise. God don't need a lot of people. He just need a few good people who will believe the word of God and stand on that word. One of the things that God is teaching me right now, you know, you find yourself in seasons. You find yourself getting kind of caught up in yourself. So one of the things the Lord has been showing me is that and when you were singing this morning, and then when you start praying, get the giants. Well, this coming week is a special week in my life. I'm spending time just to be alone with God. 
me tell you something. I was I discipled a young man. Last week, we were sitting at the table going through our lesson. This guy, 17 years old, goes to Highland Park High School, a football player. I've been discipling him since he was eight years old. Tall. I mean, he's built now. So he and I were sitting down, and I said, uh, what's your goal for this year? Every year we set a goal. He said, I want to be more like Jesus. And I said, that's a good goal. You know, one of the things is I was sitting there, I was drinking a Coke, and the cup was on the table. I didn't come up with this. Holy Spirit revealed it to me. I said, you see this cup? I've just finished the Coke. Now, if I want to fill it up with water and I want good, pure, clean water, I got to go wash this Coke cup out. I said, if you want to be more like Jesus, you got to ask God to show you those errors in your life that's not like Jesus that you got to get out. You see, most of us in here are half full. Some of us are one-third full. Some of us are one-fourth full. But none of us in this room is filled up 100% with Jesus. And so what happened is, have you ever seen a pot that's really been sitting up a long time, it's rusty? You got to put a lot of elbow grease to get that scrunt out of there and put a lot of detergent. Well, let me tell you all something. Here's what the Lord showed me. We need some spiritual elbow grease in our lives to get out of our lives. These things that's calling us back from being more like Christ. We need to get cleansed so we can be filled with the fullness of Christ and not be with one third, one fourth, but walk in the anointing and the power of the living God so that we can declare what God declared to be truth and what God said in his life. We can stand on that because we've been filled with the Holy Spirit. So what I'm saying to you is this. I don't know where you are today, but God knows. There's some things in your life that you know you need changing. And what you need to do is make a decision. Lord Jesus, I admit that I need changes in my life. There's too many things in me that's not like you. Stop bragging on the things you used to do that you don't do no more, but start confessing the things that you need to be doing that you're not doing right now. Because the past is gone, the present is passing, and the future is arriving. What you learn from the past ought to better prepare you for the present. What you're learning in the present ought to better prepare you for the future. But if you go into the future with the same garbage you had in the past that you got in the present, you ain't going to have no change in your life. And if you don't have change, you can't change nobody else. So, I just dropped in. I just dropped in. I didn't. I didn't. This, this is not why I come. I'm always amazed when God shows up. See? Whatever your plans are, Take a little time this afternoon and give them to God. I said, Lord, whatever's in my plan is not like you. And it's not a plan or the plan that you have for me. God, show it to me so I can get it out of my life. One of the big problems in our culture that causes us to stay the way we are is tradition. You know? Tradition sets our tone. 
and we hang on to too many traditions. It doesn't matter what you've been used to. If you've been born again, you got to learn what you are now. And then you got to let him, by his spirit, teach you how to be what he wants you to be. I'm going to close with this. I was speaking at a conference. And I said, the reason a lot of men don't go to church is because you women that go to church are such a bad example. The church, why would they want to follow you? So let me give you an example. You go to church. You raise your hands. You praise God. You get in your car and you drive home. Old boy sitting up there with his feet kicked up, a cold beer, watching the ball game. You walk in and say, if you get your sorry butt up and go to church sometime with me, we can have a better life to live together. I said, why in the world he want to follow you if you're going to come home talking like that? I said, what you ought to do on your way home, stop and get him another six pack. When you get home, put it in the refrigerator. Go in and take his shoes off. Rub his feet. Bring his meal to the chair. And when the can get empty, don't give him a chance to get up. Just hand him another one. So this big, tall, blonde-headed lady walks up to me after the meeting. She says, I can't believe they let you come in with all this heresy. You know, I just hate you. I said, you know what? I am so glad you're honest. But don't feel like you're the only one. There's a lot of people hating me. So I don't have a problem with that. So the next year, I go back to the same deal. And I walk in. She walks up to me. She says, I want you to know something. I don't like you anymore today than I did last year. I said, at least you're consistent. I have no problem with that. <laughs> so, anyway, she said, you see that table over there? I said, yes. I brought all those people from my family down here to hear you because I want them to understand why I don't like you. And then she went on, she says, one Sunday I was on my home, way home from church and my car would not pass 7-Eleven. She said, I put that stupid tape in and I started listening to it. I went in, I bought my husband a six-pack of beer. I took it home. I put it on ice. I took his shoes off. I rubbed his feet. I brought his down to it and served him in the chair. Every time his can got emptied, I, bring him a, I brought him another cold beer. And she said, one Sunday morning, I was getting up, getting ready to go to church. And he said to me, she, no, I said to him, honey, where are you going? You don't have to go to work today. He says, I'm going down to that church house to find out what the hell they're telling you because you done lost your mind. I mean, so, so he got saved. His, bro, his son got saved. His daughter got saved. And all the people at the table from her family, she bought every tape they had of the message I gave and sent it to all her family members. And all of those that were sitting at that table back there was her were people she brought. So I said, you know what? I'm not giving the message today. I want you to stand up and testify. That woman stood up and started talking. People got quiet. See, it's religious people who turn people away from Jesus. When you become Jesus-like, you love people where they are. Because you can't change nobody. But he can. If I be lifted up, I draw men to myself. One closing verse that I want to leave with you. When you start thinking about where you are, the Bible says in James chapter 4, verse 7 and 8, draw near to God, 
he draw near to you, and the devil will flee from you. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. For a double-minded person is unstable in all their ways. So here's the deal. It's one thing to hear the word, but it's another thing when you act on it. You see, some of you sitting right here now, God has just got to speaking to you. If you don't take this word and act on it, it's just like you shouldn't have heard it. You never heard it. This woman didn't just do it. She was upset at first. You know why? Because I spoke to her religion. Religious people. I was up in Arkansas. Brother up there, Baptist pastor came up to me. He said, Brother John, you know, my nephew wanted me to marry him and this lady he's marrying. And she'd been married before. And I said, no way will I marry you. I don't marry a man to a woman that's been married and divorced. He went on and on. So I didn't particularly like what he said, but I didn't want to be real rude. So I just decided I'd come home and do the thing I know to do, and that's pray about it. About four or five days later, I called my brother up and I said, Brother, I said, you said something. And I didn't respond to it. I said, you know, I'm amazed at how we set our standards higher than Jesus. He got real quiet. I said, now, I want you to help me to understand this. God's grace could reach Apostle Paul, a murder of the church, and let him write most of the New Testament. But that grace can't reach a woman who's been married and divorced to what you can marry to a man who, that hadn't been married. Something wrong with that picture, my brother. You see, sin can never take you so far that grace can't reach you. And so the brothers got a little angry, got off the phone. About three weeks later, he called me. He went and resigned as a Baptist pastor of his church because his denomination and its tradition caused him not to reflect his Christ. Today, he has a non-denominational church in Arkansas, and he's teaching grace. You see, there's two types of people that live in our world that are Christian. One of us, one group, is looked on as a thermometer. We can go around and tell you everything that's wrong with our culture, with our society. But once you've been born again, you're no longer a thermometer. You become a thermostat. A thermostat can change the climate of the temperature. If you're living in a world and all the people around you are sinners and on their way to hell, and you've been living there for a year or two years, and they still all sinners on their way to hell, then you could be known as a thermometer. You know what the problem is, but you're not doing nothing to change it. When you find a friend that you're praying for, don't go to that friend with your Bible up on your arm and tell them how much God's done for you. Just go love them. And talk to them like you would talk to anyone else. And every now and then, drop your word of your testimony. You see, if you have a friend that don't know no scripture, and you only know one verse, all you got to do is tell them what the one verse has done for you. They can't argue with that. And let them 
see that verse be lived out in your life. Make a decision. All of you all who want to be thermostats, stand up. And all of you all who want to remain thermometers, stay sick. Don't get up because you're going to be a thermometer when you leave anyway. Uh, uh, but here's what I want you to do. I want to lead you in a little prayer. And I want you to just pray. Before you pray this prayer, before you pray this prayer, I want you to confess. Lord Jesus, I'm about to pray a prayer that only you can answer. Lord Jesus, I confess to you I have not been the witness that you would like me to be. Lord Jesus, without you and the work of your Holy Spirit in me, working through me, the truth that you want to reveal to others, Lord Jesus, unless you do it, I'll never get it done. So this morning, Lord Jesus, I'm asking you to empty me of all things in me that's not like you and fill me with a fresh anointing of your Holy Spirit. When I leave today, Lord Jesus, let it be in my mind. I'm not a thermometer, but I'm a thermostat. And for wherever I go, Lord Jesus, I want you working in me and working through me to change the temperature in people's life. And they'll see Jesus in my life and be drawn to you, Jesus. I give you praise and honor and glory. Amen.